Join us for this episode of Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hi, everyone. I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode number 59. Today, we're talking about bird feeding now and then. Are then and now. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, do I correct it? Do I run with it? I don't know. Run with it, Brian. Run with it. (laughs) Hey, yeah, what can we learn from a lifetime of bird feeding? Well, we might have a a couple of dudes here that have spent a a little bit of time feeding the birds in the past few years. Just a few. Where has it come from? Where is it going? How has technology and even conservation fit into backyard bird feeding? Uh, You know, hey, you know, we have vending machines for everything. Will vending machines become part of backyard bird feeding in the future? (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Oh, no. We're going to take a deep dive into the past and look to the future, as Brian said. So stick with us, everybody. Brian, well, this should be fun talking about the history of backyard bird feeding and where we've come from and where we're going. But first, talking about what's happening now, what's happening in your yard? Oh, what's happening in my yard? Um, Really excited. I have confirmation that mom and dad bluebird are doing a second nesting. Yay! Wow. Yes. That's like the first time for you, right? It is the first time for me for that Neat. couple to do a second nesting because they usually go somewhere else and nest a second time. So yeah. I don't know what I've done differently because I haven't really done anything different. Yeah, and just to bring people up to speed, bluebirds are really a cool bird in the sense of they'll nest up to three times in a given nesting season. Yeah. So they'll have that early spring, midsummer, and late summer nesting. And so uh, some are on their second nesting right now. Yeah, pretty exciting. But I was yeah. also camping this last weekend. And really fun, right? We had this tree in the campsite. So we're at a state park. And right above us, I kept hearing this cooing. And then, you know, you look up and you see some some morning doves moving around. Normally, a nesting pair of morning doves will make a nest with basically, if you remember the game Pickup Sticks, it's just a <laughs> bunch of sticks that you drop on a platform and boom, there you go. That's what they do. There's their nest. It's like Jenga halfway into the game. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Now, she is actually sitting in an American Robin's nest. So instead of making their own, she's like, "Mm, no, I got got the spot. We don't have to make it. That's pretty wild. It's a really excellent nest for them. So that was really fun to be able to see that. All the kids got to see it. All the adults got to see it. And they actually really enjoyed that too. So a lot of fun just watching the birds and and seeing the nesting happening all around us. So what's been going on in your yard? Yeah. You know, one of the fun things I've got a uh, gourd, big, long stem and, you know, the bulbous bottom of the gourd. And somebody gave it to me years ago. So I thought, well, well, this could make a great bird house. Mm -hmm. And so I drilled a hole in the side of it and that type of thing. Had it out for a couple of years. And the house friends fill it up with sticks every year. Um, And I've just left it hanging up there. Well, guess what? (laughs) They're actually using it this year. It's it's just quite interesting to watch the house wren going in and out, in and out, in and out. And I've got at least three pairs of of house wrens nesting around my yard right now. So it's it's quite the uh, 
bevy of activity going on in my yard with those things running around. Did you say insects. three? I have three at least. Yeah, I have one in wow. my front yard, one in my side yard, and one in a um, WBU nest box on the that I have on my garage on the side, uh, other side of my house. So yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty amazing. I have three pairs in one backyard. You know that that is that's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I so bet you don't have a single cavity that doesn't have sticks in them. I bet. Yeah. Well, you know, I've got <laughs> as you and I have talked. I've got at least a dozen nest boxes scattered around my property, and and you're right. Every year when I go around and clean them out midsummer, and then at the end of the summer, uh, they're full of house wren sticks. You know, top to bottom, just <laughs> right. stuffed. It's pretty amazing. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about bird feeding. Yeah. This, is, this is actually a hobby that's been around for a long time. It's, it's the first, <laughs> uh, I think the uh, some of the earliest books on bird feeding mm-hmm. or that reference bird feeding, what, ni- early 1900s? Something yeah. like that. that. That sounds about right. And, and, you know, it was more of if you were in a rural area and you raised, you know, crops, corn, wheat, barley, whatever it might be, you know, it was just a matter of taking a handful of grain and maybe putting it on that tree stump that was out in the backyard or just throwing it on the ground and getting the birds to come in that way. And, and that was the early iterations of, of, you know, how to feed the birds. My gosh, you and I, (laughs) we were just talking earlier that. I've been feeding birds. I went to work in a nature center. My first full-time job was in a nature center down in Evansville, Indiana, called Wesselman Park. And it was 1980, January of 1980. And ever since then, I've (laughs) been feeding birds either at a nature center Mm -hmm. and or at my backyard since that date. So we're talking, I hate to say it, <coughs> 42 years that Anyone I've been can doing do the math, this hobby. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't really get into bird feeding until, honest confessions, until I started with <laughs> Wild Birds Unlimited, you know, 30, about 30 years ago when I started with Wild Birds Unlimited. I started oh feeding the birds. Can you believe that? No, no. Uh, so between us, what, 70 have... some years of experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the category of yeah. uh, I remember when. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I guess we probably are two pretty good people to talk about the history of backyard bird feeding because we've lived most <laughs> right. of it. <laughs> so, but you know what? We're also pretty good people to talk about where bird feeding is going in the future. And we're going to oh, get to that because definitely. we're abreast yep. of a lot of the new technology and then a lot of new foods and feeders and things that are going on out there. Yeah. What about the feeders? And thinking about, <laughs> I laugh you know, again because yeah. all I can all that comes to mind is my homemade ones, and it's like, oh no. <laughs> you but know. at what point, really, could you really start buying bird feeders commercially? That's a good point. I think uh, I think uh, the first tube feeders, which are probably the next generation of you know the hobby, if you oh, will, were yeah. tube feeders that came that along. That was kind and- of. Uh, Revolutionary, that's where I'm looking go. for. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Tube feeders, pretty revolutionary. Yeah. Yeah, they were at the time. They were very much were. And I think 19, I think Droll Yankee came out in late late 60s, maybe 69, with wow. their tube feeders. And they were the first ones to actually do tube feeders. And ironically enough. <laughs> oh, you still have one, don't you? Yeah, I still have my, <laughs> they were the first 
actual commercial feeders I ever bought. Of course. <laughs> they're, they're in my shed out back, and I don't, I haven't used them in probably 25 years. Uh, well, they're antiques but, now, right? You know, maybe that's it. Maybe that's why I'm, I'm waiting for them to get valuable so I can resell them somewhere online. <laughs> there you go. But that did really revolutionize the uh, hobby, if you will. And I remember mm-hmm. going to other nature centers and you see people starting to put tube feeders out. And it was, it was a whole different ball game at that point because most nature centers have some type of a bird feeding observation area, mm-hmm. whether it's a separate yep. room or just a big set of windows with feeders outside. And so that changed the game totally. And, and people started using tube feeders to attract the birds. Well, and it's amazing where two feeders have gone, where come from, and where they're now. Is <laughs> two feeders back in the day? Yeah. Oh my goodness! You get enough good rain, yeah, and you know, kind of like in the hopper feeder or a tray feeder, it was so hard oh, to yeah. clean. It'd, it'd get all clumped up and icky, and that mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. wet, matted yeah. <laughs> nastiness. And a two feeder was hard to get in there. You'd have to pull out tools to open the bottom and go through the top. And but man, you know, Wild Birds Unlimited. I remember back when we were looking at that, we're like, how do we make this better? Yeah, yeah. And that revolutionary, yeah. let's remove the bottom and do it really simply, <laughs> so you can keep the manage the bird food to keep it fresh. But if you've got to clean it, <laughs> it was a world of difference. That quick clean bottom. You and I both were part of that Absolutely. development. Absolutely, of, and, and and that's yeah. why those straw Yankees are hanging in my shed to this day for the last there twenty or twenty five years. Because again, the, the the revolutionary part of having that quick clean bottom to be able to take mm-hmm. that bottom off and truly get that feeder clean very easily, as opposed to having to get your tools and your screwdriver and take the whole thing apart and take all the ports off and everything else. Yeah, it, it just made a huge difference in in the. Uh, ability to keep those feeders clean and, and, you know, doing what's right for the birds. Oh yeah. Well, and you and I always talk about cleaning your feeders and keeping them clean. And that's a huge benefit of having that quick clean bottom. Then, uh, you know, you talk about technology on bird feeders and where things going, then we developed the eco clean Mm -hmm. bird feeders. And, um, that was really exciting. At least the concept of it, when we first thought of it, how do you put Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. an antimicrobial product into the contact points on a bird feeder yeah. to, to just help if nothing else. Um, it's not that it it is a correlation direct of you will make your birds healthier. Yeah, no, but it, it definitely be able to minimize microbes growing on a feeder. Basically, just to kind of fill in the blanks a little bit here, it, it, it's an agent that we use that is mixed into all parts and pieces of the, of the feeder. In other words, it's mixed into the paint. It's mixed into the plastic, and it's throughout the entire plastic. It's throughout all of the paint. The perch cover material is mixed into the perch cover material before it's molded into the actual shape of the perch covers. So this is an antimicrobial product that will, again, as you're saying, you know, anything that touches that product, uh, microbial-wise, is subject to this material. But now you're not having to pull out the bleach solution and sanitizing it because you just scrub it down and wipe it down. Uh, with soap and water and it sanitizes itself. Yeah. So that's been great. I love that in my yard with the tube feeders I'm using, um, having that quick clean, having that eco clean, it just manages keeping it cleaner for the birds. Yeah. I, I love that option. I know I'm doing right by the birds with it. 
Yeah, I remember back in in 1980 when I was, you know, working in my first nature center and the the best friends you had were bird feeding books that actually told you and showed you the type of bird feeders you could make yourself. Oh yeah. Because the opportunity to buy bird feeders was so limited. I mean, a hopper feeder, you know, we have our wonderful, you know, uh, EcoTuff classic hopper feeder, just a, you know, I've had the same one in my backyard for literally decades. Uh, but back in those days, those weren't available. And so you made your own. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, I remember like shop class or anyone in scouts at some yeah. point, it doesn't matter what girl scouts, boy scouts, other scout you things. At some point you were probably making a bird feeder or a bird house. Oh, absolutely. Right? I, I did it, just, it for yeah. yeah, I did. I did it for years and boy, what a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if they were a kid, they were perfect, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they look good when you get done with them, but you put them out and, you know, like I made tray feeders, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite feeders, tray feeder. And, you know, you use a piece of plywood and you put an edge around it to keep the seat from not being knocked off and you mount it on some, you know, pole or something like that and you sit it out there. And, you know, you drill holes in the bottom of it to try to, you know, some drainage so that the water, when it rains, you know, oh, man, that never worked well because those <laughs> holes would all, always get plugged. And the feeder would fill up with water and the oh, seed yeah. in the feeder would turn into this gunky mess. And, oh, geez, that was that was horrendous. Foods. Yeah. We've been talking with some of these feeders, the foods, holy cow, you know, like you talked back then, you individual seeds and you go buy at the, the grain elevator, buy your own seeds. Now you just go to a bird feeding store or somewhere else and you can get blends galore, but man, where it's come from, not just taking individual seeds and creating these different blends and having blends that are regionally formulated. Like our stores have these regionally formulated blends that are perfect for wherever you live you know those blends are going to be the right kinds of foods for a wide variety of birds there. Somewhere along the line, somebody figured out birds like fat. They like suet. They mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and, you know, again, if you observe, I remember when I was, uh, I did an internship in college up in Minnesota at an environmental education center for three months in the middle of winter. And there was a, a roadkill a deer had gotten hit by a car and it was off in the woods. And so I would hike out there in the snow and sit out there and watch this carcass because it was so cool. There are little bits and pieces of fat, you know, on the exposed mm-hmm. carcass. Yeah. And the and the, the blue jays and the chickadees and the other birds would come in and what they were coming in for was that fat. And oh, apparently somebody yeah. along the line figured that out, that birds actually like the, the suet and the fat. And so somewhere along the line, bird feeding kind of from went from grain to a little broader with, with fats and suets and you know, you used to go to your grocery store. I remember, again, back in 1980 and in the 80s, you could go to a grocery store mm-hmm. and they just give it. You'd ask them, hey, you guys got any suet? And they, yeah, here, take it. <laughs> take how much you want. <laughs> uh, you know, and you'd hang that in an old onion bag and you put it out in the backyard on a tree or something. And the birds would come and, come and feed at it. And then they got wise and then they started charging. I remember the first time I had to pay a quarter for like three or four pounds of suet. I was oh. like, what? This is highway robbery. You know? <laughs> was that when so, candy bars were a quarter? <laughs> oh, a nickel, dude. A nickel. <laughs> oh, so yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's come a long way. Used to used to go to the the uh, 
the grain silo. Literally, I used to go when I was running my second nature center up in. in oh yeah, uh, like the farm and fleet. Yeah. The, well, actually, this was actually grain elevator. This is this ah. is actually you you could out in the country. I was in a state park south of South Bend, Indiana. And I would go down to the grain elevator and they had like 50 pound bags of sunflower and striped sunflower and black oil. They'd have Niger seed and haul these big, huge bags back to my house or back to my nature center. And, you know, it was cheap as can be. You buy it in bulk straight from the, mm-hmm. the, the grain elevator. But, uh, you know, that's that was where you got your seed. There weren't bird feeding stores around you didn't go to walmart and find you know bird food on the shelves or anywhere else so yeah you kind of actually had to look for the stuff back in the day you get into other things like the development of bark butter right and back in the day it was bird puddings yeah you look in the old books you look at the old <laughs> yeah. bird feeding books and bird pudding bird pudding bird pudding i mean how do we bring that to market? And we talked all about that in a previous episode, all about bark butter. Uh, I think that was episode 45. And that's a cool product. We talk about it all the time. But yeah. and, and so many other things like you bought suet at the, at the, <laughs> from the, <laughs> the grocery and go up to the yeah. counter. And, but now you can buy all sorts of different flavors of suet. And we've taken it to a whole new level of putting the right kinds of natural ingredients in it so you have really high protein along with that high fat to help meet the bird's needs and so we're actually starting it's not just about attracting the birds we look at uh, from that wild birds unlimited standpoint how do we provide the foods that help them nutritionally so that we know ah, we're not just drawing them in to enjoy them we know that hey we're providing foods that they're looking to find naturally anyway like nutrition they're looking to find naturally yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to circle back and you brought up the uh, regional blends, you know, the oh, fact yeah. that we formulate our food uh, based on uh, bird populations in different re- regions. And, you know, I think the thing that needs to be not only is it great for the birds, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a wonderful way to attract a lot of different birds to your to your feeders because it's really the foods that they prefer to eat. It also, back in the old day, you'd buy a blend and it just had anything and everything in it. Yes. And a lot of those <laughs> seeds were just a waste. I mean, you put them out in your feeder and you'd end up with uh, Milo, which, you know, here in the East, we have hardly any birds that eat Milo's, maybe morning doves and a few others, but not many. Well, and morning doves will eat pretty much anything if they can <laughs> do little vacuum cleaners. But there you go. That's exactly it, they right. They don't eat a whole lot of it. That's for sure. I tell you what, house bros won't eat Milo either. So. Yeah, yeah. So you end up with all this seed that's been grown and shipped and transferred and, you know, it ends up on the ground rotting, you know, right. with, with a regionally selected blend, you don't get that because mm-hmm. everything that's in that bag, you know, the birds in that area are fond of, they're going to eat it they're going to eat all of it. And you're not going to waste a lot of stuff and you're getting more bang for your buck that way too. Yeah. That is a oh, great point. Oh, red woodpecker at my feeder right now. Sweet. Holy moly. That's awesome, John. Red-headed oh, woodpeckers, man. That means they're nesting somewhere nearby or really lost. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Eating the bark butter out of my bark butter on my uh, suet cylinder log. Sweet. Wow. Sorry. Or you only get them in migration or winter sometimes, but to have it yeah, in summer it's usually, means nearby. I mean, you've been at my house a couple of times when we've yep. been doing stuff here, testing foods or doing whatever. And, and uh, in the spring uh, during migration and every once in a while, I get them coming through during migration. But to have one here in the middle of July. Yes, sir. I'm all about that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> 
that is that is super cool. Yeah. And hey, because you got the right kinds of foods out, right? It's going crazy on that bark <laughs> butter right now. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. I'm well, just so happy. <laughs> well, you should be. Okay. So you've got this bird on that feeder. Tell us again. What's the name of that feeder? Well, it's a, it's called a, a, a cylinder log feeder or log. It's, it looks like a log. It's, it's mm-hmm. a round uh, feeder that looks like tree bark on the outside. And it has actual openings that are actually very close in scale to what different woodpeckers would make in a tree when they're feeding. So like downy woodpeckers make little round holes and uh, uh, hairy woodpeckers make kind of elongated, little elongated holes. A pileated woodpecker makes really long elongated holes. So this feeder actually has a, a multitude of different natural, if you will, shaped feeding ports. And we typically put a suet cylinder inside of it. And I have to confess, I'm I'm out of suet <laughs> cylinder right now. And I love this feeder. So I had some extra bark butter and I threw some bark butter on the inside of it. And it's going gangbusters. They're loving it. That's fantastic. Well, and I thought that was a feeder that you were talking about when you were all, you know, just yeah. geeking out there. Um, yeah. And I, I got to tell everybody. That was a feeder that we specifically went after to say, how do you revolutionize attracting more birds to your backyard? And you specifically, I'm going to call you out of here because I loved this. (laughs) You went and researched the different hole shapes and sizes of various woodpecker species to create this feeder. And I have to tell you, I love this feeder too. And... (laughs) I have it in my yard and I have all sorts of and w- well beyond woodpeckers that come to it. I mean, every woodpecker yeah. species in yeah. my yard goes to that feeder, but I also have all the other suet feeding birds that are like the woodland ones, the, the chickadees, the tip mice, the nut oh, hatches. Yeah. They all love it. I have brown creepers that go to it and when they're here. Yeah. It, that's what we do. And that's where bird feeding has been. And yeah. where it's going and developing yeah. things. That's why we get so geeked out. We want to talk about this today, right? The then and now. <laughs> That's what, I'm glad. That, that was so serendipitous to have that bird come in and land on that feeder because it really does illustrate the process we go through. Mm-hmm. And it really illustrates where feeders have come from, Yeah, are, you know, where they've come, and food. The and fact that put, we suet cylinders, yeah. suet cylinders. I mean, we, we never had suet cylinders for ever and ever. I mean, you know, they're a fairly recent product over the years, over my 42 years. Uh, so that's what the main, the, the, the feeder was designed for. But you know what? I'm out of a suet cylinder, so bark butter. And yep. now they're revolutionary food. Right. Fills it up, and the birds go crazy <laughs> over it. So I've, I've yeah. taken suet cakes and broke them into uh, little yep. fingerlings, yep. if you will, yep. and shoved yep. those in Toss there. Toss them down in there. I've done the same thing. Hey, I've done the same thing. Suet-based products, and, and the birds love it. Well, we could go on and on about where bird feeding is now and, and where it's been. <laughs> and we certainly don't have time to go into an exhaustive history of all of this. But I think I think we've kind of laid it out there a little bit. But is it time to kind of look to the future, Brian? I what, think so. What's the, what's the yeah. future hold for us? We need, we need some future technology music to transition here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is this like a Jetsons? <laughs> And I, I want to hear about your concept for a vending machine in the backyard. <laughs> you know, we, we did have that episode where we talked about, you know, the world's smartest birds. What if we had a vending machine and, and they learned to push on a button to get the food out? I'd be like, they how use, fun would that be? They use Bitcoin. <laughs> 
oh man it'd be so fantastic then we can watch which ones do they choose i didn't like this selection last time yeah yeah that would be really interesting to see if it would work and i'm sure it would actually in many ways i'm sure someone's done that with squirrels already but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do some testing yeah, technology there. i think is gonna it's uh it's interesting with uh you know, all aspects of the hobby in your backyard between feeders and food. And mm-hmm. the other thing is helping to learn your birds in your backyard and oh helping goodness, to know yes. when birds are in your backyard and which birds are in your backyard. So I, I think technology is going to play a huge role in the mm-hmm. next 10, 15, 20 years. Well, and, and in some respects, it, we have had all sorts of different people and companies and organizations trying to figure out like things like having cameras on bird feeders and having this uh, a package deal and way back in the day there was a company before the whole camera idea was just audio how do i get the sounds of the birds into my house and there was this wonderful feeder that was very expensive (laughs) but it held lots of food and had a great audio connection the challenge was that as technology changed and parts would break or wear out, it was very, very challenging for them to keep up with having the maintenance uh, to be able to fix things and you'd have to buy a new one. And they mm-hmm. weren't always cheap. Mm-hmm. Bird feeders with a camera on them so you can see when a bird's there, um, it's a similar concept. So, you know, we've talked about uh, Cornell Lab of Ornithology and their Merlin app that they mm-hmm. have, the free yes. app that's out there. And they've added in the last year or so, they've added a feature on that app to where you literally can listen. To, they turn it on and hit the button and it actually records the birds by call in song and identifies them. Right. And it keeps a running list of them. And, you know, it's like, I think, I think that's where ventures going on to do the same thing for people's backyard where mm-hmm. you could put a, a microphone in the backyard and you would have a computer app and the computer app would then actually identify what birds have been in your yard in the last 24 hours yeah. which, and record snippets yeah and yeah. record snippets of it so that you can hear it and, and i think that area and and you're saying the cameras the mm-hmm. other thing about cameras having cameras on feeders i know there's a couple of companies that are working towards having camera integrated feeders that are made with the camera already Bluetooth and ready to go. And right. you have a feeder and, and so that you can literally watch the birds come and go from your feeders in your backyard from wherever in the world you might be. You can listen to them from wherever in the world you might be. I think that level of technology is going to, to make a, a big change uh, as you know, and it's like the Merlin, the Merlin app has gotten better and better and better because it's, it's basically learning, uh, right. you know, by people identifying the birds and, 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 you know, the feedback it gets from users and that type of thing. It literally is learning more and more of those sounds and how to identify these birds with even less, uh, amount of sound less notes, if you will, or just a call note or a chip note. Uh, slowly but surely, I think that's going to get to be a really um, successful tool uh, in, in the years. It already is in many ways, but right. I think it'll become even more so in the future. And and birds in general, um, it, to have everything in the palm of your hand and be able to watch and listen to birds wherever you are from your, you know, watch and listen to birds in your own backyard, wherever you are in the world, whether you're in your own living room or you're traveling just so many exciting things happening and people are trying to make it happen. 
Uh, the reality being in the behind the scenes, it's not an overnight thing. It takes years yeah. to develop that yeah. kind of stuff and develop it so that, that the electronics can keep up with the technology so the product can stay as viable as long as possible. So exciting stuff. I don't know if it's going to be a vending machine. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I sit here at my window and I cannot hear my birds. And it makes all the difference in the world to have bird song so that my house would be filled with all these sounds. And, you know, can you imagine springtime, the cacophony oh, of all yes. the birds? You know, the dawn song on a spring morning coming filtering through your bedroom because you got the, the microphone system. They, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I, at this point, do not know of anybody who's really got a good system put together for a high quality uh, sound system to bring bird sounds and outdoor sounds into your house. I'm, I'm with you. I want the live because yeah. Yeah. you can, you can play audio, right? Pre-recorded or pre-mixed right. or right. whatever, but right. I want the live because if yeah. I hear something interesting, I want to go outside Bingo. and look for it. I'm going to be at that window or <laughs> outside. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Just to know it's in my yard, I can try to find it. Or is it coming to a feeder? Or is it is it at one of my water features? You know, what's it right. doing right now? Right. Yeah, because you want that interaction. I can just think about sitting there and you're watching TV or you're reading a book or whatever, and all of a sudden mm -hmm. you hear Bart Owl calling in the distance through your sound system. Oh, Man, everything I'm goes gonna, on pause. I'm going yeah, to go just I'm out sit the and door. listen. Yep. I'm out the door listening. <laughs> I guarantee it. But I did want to make one comment because we, mm -hmm. we didn't actually touch on it. It's probably an important thing to talk about. The other thing in bird feeding that's really changed is bird feeding has become such an important thing for so many people to make a connection with nature. You know, it's so Definitely. many people... This is how they get their joy every day by watching these birds. And it's become a, a tool for conservation in regards to, you know, people who care about these birds, you know, get involved and, and they help make good decisions towards nature and, and they're doing things in their yards to habitat. And, and I know there's lots and lots of ways, other ways that they can participate in helping birds through watching their feeders in their backyard. Yeah. Like citizen science, that buzzword yeah. that was developed not too many years ago where bird feeding was this solo hobby. And maybe you chatted with a friend or two, but now it's, it's so in vogue and the citizen science, like project feeder watch, great backyard bird count, just putting things into your Merlin app. When you see them in your backyard, mm -hmm. all that data mm -hmm. goes to scientists to help with conservation focus. So it's not just a solo thing anymore that is detached it's it's something that you can share with other people, either yeah. directly or indirectly, and you're helping with conservation. So it's amazing to see bird feeding has transitioned like that over the years. Well, I certainly appreciate everyone hanging with us for the then and now and into the future. We really appreciate you listening and rate and review us. We love to hear those comments and see what you think. Yeah, and join us next time. We're going to take a deep dive into water. <laughs> It's more important than ever, we think. And so we're going to have a special guest to help us out. A return visit by David Mezajewski, who is the naturalist for the National Wildlife Federation. But until that time, we're going to continue, as always, to let nature be our guide. Please take care, be safe, and keep those feeders clean. Thanks for joining us, everyone. To subscribe to the podcast... For show notes or to find the Wild Birds Unlimited store near you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. 
and we really appreciate you telling your friends about Nature Centered. But until next time, we hope you find a moment every day to relax and enjoy the birds.